KFCR 90.5 FM, it's time for the nerdy news. It is Punch Radio, and in studio you have Jody and Dave. Hello. And you will hear from Hank and Craig and Brennan. Brennan's talking about the late, the great John Romina Sr. passed away this week. He was amazing. Incredible artist. Love his stuff on Spider-Man. He did so much. Just incredible inker, absolutely astounding. So he will be missed. But he was an old man. He had a full life. So, you know, we hope he's in a better place. Craig and Hank are going to talk about some TV shows and some movies. Fubar, also the Arnold documentary. I like movies, and Hank's really into American Ninja Warrior. Okay. So lots to talk about there. We are going to talk about a whole bunch of comics uh, and also. Da, 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 da. Another Brubaker, Sean Phillips. Amazing graphic novel came out. They are putting out like two or three a year now. Yeah, these guys work hard. They sure do. This new one is called Night Fever, and it is totally a standalone thing. The last five books that they've put out have been like the story of Reckless, and they've all been great, but this is completely different. This is the story of a businessman. He's a publisher. He's on a business trip in France and uh, he's having trouble sleeping and he goes out and he goes to a party and he fakes a name and then becoming that person has him in a spiral. Yeah, it's like set in, you said France, right? It's got this European feel which is different for Brubaker and Phillips who've been kind of immersed in Americana for the last three or four years. So that's a little different for these guys. Uh, it's still the 70s, though. Yeah. And kind of a story with a little bit of a uh, North by Northwest sort of feel. Mistaken identity. The situation gets weirder and weirder. So it's a pretty fun comic. Kind of a surprise in like a little step to the side in style for these guys. But, you know, you want your comic creators to to try different things. And this isn't such a big departure. That fans are going to be disappointed. It's just Brubaker and Phillips in a little bit of a new flavor. It is. Apparently, they wanted to do something that was a little more familiar for Sean Phillips than recreating a U.S. You know, whether it's Los Angeles or San, San Francisco, Francisco maybe, yeah. like places that like don't exist anymore, basically, to a, a setting where all those buildings and things are still there. So it's a little bit more familiar, easier to draw, I guess. But what I found most striking in difference to some of the Reckless stuff is actually the coloring. This is done by Sean Phillips' son. He is taken on the job of doing that. Jacob Phillips, uh, he has a comic called That Texas Blood. But he's been doing coloring for them for a while now, and it is very striking. Yeah, it looks it looks different, like different city, different continent, different color palette. I feel like that kind of makes sense. I do feel reading this comic like I'm being whisked away to somewhere I've never been. Whereas with the uh, Reckless comics, it, it kind of looks familiar because I've seen these places. I've been to some of these cities, and I've watched like dozens of TV shows that were set there. Right. So, yeah, while Reckless looks like watching 70s TV, Night Fever kind of feels more like I'm, uh, like kind of an exotic ride. And not just because of the setting, but because of the story, too. It, yes. gets, it gets a little wonky. It is wonky. He is definitely off-kilter. I enjoyed it. I think I, 
I'm kind of in love with Reckless, so I want more Reckless, but I was happy to see something just new from them. I think, and yeah, any negative feelings I had about Night Fever were number one, because it had nothing to do with the Bee Gees, <laughs> and number two, because it just, it wasn't Reckless, and it, even though I loved reading it, it's, it, it made me think like, does that mean that that run is over? No, I don't think it does mean that run is over. They just wanted to do something different. That's good. You know, That's you don't good. want to get tied down to any one thing. Yeah, I mean, people who like those those hard boiled reckless comics should should read this. It's it's not exactly the same thing, but you know, it's like when your favorite band like you know gets a new guitar player or something. They start moving in a little bit different direction. Yeah, it's all right. It actually reminded me a lot of Eyes Wide Shut too. There, there, there's an Eyes Wide Eyes Wide Shut party in it, that comic. Yeah. There is. Not quite as, as, as extreme as Eyes Wide Shut, but it's, it is similar. Yeah. Very good. So yes, get this book, read this book, love this book. You won't regret it. Okay, let's throw things over to Hank and Craig and Brennan. And then when we come back, we have like as many comics as we can fit in in the last bit of time that we've got. We'll, so We'll do what we can. We'll dive right in. So take it away, fellas. Hey everybody, it's Craig Silifin on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM, and I am joined, as always, by my co-pilot and good friend, Hank Cruz. Hank, what's the Craig, haps? The haps is, last week, I missed you. I missed you too, yes. Thank you for covering the show. I was quite I, ill. Uh, I worried about you, uh, but now that I know that you're okay, uh, I'll be able to sleep now. I haven't slept in a week. So. Good. Yes, you can rest easy. I made it through the other side. I had a... I had a a very bad cold, but I'm okay now. Good. Uh, which is quite a segue to the idea of what I watched while I had a cold. I uh, didn't want to watch anything like new or really challenging because I was feeling pretty like out of it. And so I watched Ubar, which is a okay. show on Netflix starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ooh, uh, that was good. Oh, that gave me chills. Get to the chopper. So Get down. <laughs> he, uh, it's an action comedy series. I think it's like, it's really wants to be um, true lies in a lot of ways. Like it kind of has a similar premise even. So uh, Arnie plays Luke Bruner, who is a CIA operative, but he's been lying to his family for years. It destroyed his marriage. He's, he's really a CIA operative. And he goes on this mission to extract uh, a person uh, from a dangerous situation and discovers, oh, it's his daughter, Emma, who is also... What? A no CIA way. operative. And so that's not a spoiler. It happens in the first. Yeah, right away. Yeah. Or whatever. Uh, and so they have to uh, save the world, basically. And they are also she's trying to sort through sort of her daddy issues because uh, he wasn't around when she was a kid lots. It, it caused a divorce in their family. And, you know, she always kind of like uh, blamed him for not being a present father, but now has the same job as him. And as a boyfriend played by Jay Baruchel who she is now starting to like lie to on this level. And so, you know, she kind of has to come to terms with some of that stuff. Then there's this whole other sort of cast of characters, the rest of their team and, and the bad guys and stuff like that. I think it was about 10 episodes. I can't remember off the top of my head. I was in a bit of a fever dream for a while and I just kind of went into it. I would say it was definitely the right thing to watch while I was sick because it was funny. It was engaging enough. I would say it was not great by any stretch of the imagination. And at the end, I was like, this would have been really good as a two hour movie like True Lies, but, you know, as it is, it kind of felt a little dragged out. Oh, Scott Thompson was in it, playing a uh, the CIA psychologist, so it was really fun to see him. Though sort of funny, because he's, he's sort of there comedically, but also, you know, he has some serious moments, 
and he really felt like he was playing the gay dad from Kids in the Hall with the with where he's got the mustache and like uh, his mannerism was kind of similar. So it just it felt like that character from Kids in the Hall like became a CIA uh, psychologist or something. So uh, you know, overall, I think if you're a big Arnie fan, check it out. But otherwise, you could probably skip it. it, it you know, it, it, if you like that kind of fun comedy action, it's okay. It, it wasn't it's okay, and it's fun to see Arnie back on the screen. Yeah, yeah. It, and it was. It was fun, and it actually made me watch Last Action Hero. Uh, and I got a new nice. 4K version of that, so I watched that a couple of days later. So I've been. Did a you a uh, have a chance to watch the uh, Arnie uh, documentary on Netflix? I did not, but your segue game is strong. Uh, thank you. So the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, I believe it's called Arnold. It's on Netflix, three episodes. They broke it up perfectly because the first one is about wrestling, uh, wrestling. Wow. Bodybuilding. Let's start right. again. Bodybuilding. He's not a wrestler, although he bodybuilding. And then it moves on. The second episode is about his acting career. And then the third episode is about his political career. But you can tell that it's really, um, he's really in charge of the uh, right. doc series. Uh, so it's really, it's pretty lightweight stuff, uh, especially when it comes to uh, some of the controversies, you know, that he's had later in life. And thing. But he does touch on it a little bit. But if you love Arnie, you're going to love this. The one thing, uh, actually, there's a few things in there that I didn't know. But when he moved to California, he started investing in real estate. And he was a millionaire before he even thought about acting. Oh, really? Uh, he already had all of this money and he's like already living the American dream. And he's like, yeah, like I, I don't need the money. So when he started to do this act, he's like, well, he started to turn down roles or I don't want to do that because it doesn't fit my brand and how he started his brand. And quite fascinating stuff, actually. But to see how he grew up, he really lightly touched on how abusive his dad was and right. uh, the life that he had with his brother and his mom and his dad and everything. But it, uh, if you love Arnie, you're going to love that. And then uh, the food bar show, which is, uh, I think, uh, quite fun. And uh, it's oh, all Arnie all the time. And so afterwards, I went and I realized, and I know this is going to blow your mind, I have never watched the first Terminator movie. What? Yep. I started I started with Terminator 2 and then I just never went and watched it and then after I watched the doc because they talk about uh, Terminator in there and I went well that's the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life so I found it and I watched it on the weekend because now I can say I've seen all of his movies every movie I've seen except the Terminator so now I've seen them all phew nice yeah Terminator is amazing it's like I know it's it great holds up even better than it did like in 1984, I mean, I remember yeah, I'm seeing surprised. it when I was a kid and I loved it. And obviously it was right. I was in high school when T2 came out. So I was right in the pocket for that sort of blockbuster upgrade of it. But so awesome. like going back and were you watching that movie in recent years? It holds up. It's a yep. lean, mean, like stalker movie. almost. Yeah, and how they way. made it uh, with like hardly any budget. And they didn't yeah. know. It's like, well, OK, we'll try Arnold in this type of role. It was, oh, he was so good. Yeah, so, he's really good at it. It's, it's uh, yeah, that movie. What uh, what else you've been watching? What's up? So I watched a movie called I Like Movies. Oh, I like uh, movies too. Yeah, so it's a Canadian comedy drama uh, by uh, Chandler Levac, Levac, however you pronounce that. So it's set in the early 2000s, in fact, 2003, because he goes to see uh, Punch Drunk Love in the movie. Uh, but it stars a uh, Isaiah Lightman as Lawrence, and he's a he's a socially inept like quite socially inept 17 year old cinephile who gets a job at a video store. And so it's sort of his life and he's got a sort of 
a relationship where his mother with his mother where he he's actually quite mean to people like the you know when they call him socially inept i think that's being nice and he sort of forms this complicated relationship with his older female manager at the at the video store uh he's got a best friend uh that he again like doesn't treat really well i like that like you can tell that like levac must have worked at a video store uh when she was young but it's it's funny it's like you know, I worked at video stores growing up, so it definitely like it, I, I think it scratched that itch. It, it did a good job of presenting it as like the job as it kind of was like doing inventory and stuff like that. There was a lot of great like Canadian filmmaker jokes in there where he's like he wants to go to NYU, which is sort of a pipe dream. But uh, his mom's like, well, can't you just go to like uh, Guelph or Carlton or something? And he's like, no, mom, I don't want to be a Canadian filmmaker like it's just <laughs> seen as this dirty thing. And she's like, well, what about Cronenberg or whatever and he's like it's Cronenberg mom like uh, so anyway it's really funny but it does actually have these darker tones to it sometimes like you know again he's really mean uh, and he's a very unlikable character for a, a good chunk of the movie obviously like that could be a bad thing but the movie does deal with it so it's 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 done on purpose but yeah it's it's called I like movies uh, I think it hit video on demand I feel like it, it did. already yeah, I, I saw it on iTunes page. yeah did you okay so yeah but definitely if you're a, a cinephile or you like these festival circuit movies, I know it's been uh, popular this year on some smaller festival circuits and stuff. So I was waiting anxiously to see it finally popped up. So I was glad to check it out. So check it out. Uh, what about you? Have you got anything else? I uh, started watching the newest season of American Ninja Warrior with right. my son because we got the ninja line in the backyard and he's yep. doing parkour and empire parkour and it's like oh yeah so then what i like to do is uh, get a lot of uh, salty snacks and maybe some sugary snacks and then i eat them while i watched the american ninja warrior because i'm like <laughs> yeah sure you losers going out there and being all fit and healthy and doing cool things i'm gonna sit on the sofa and eat snacks so it's uh yeah, that's uh, the oh, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Came back, right? Um, but you can only watch the new episodes in Canada on FX or FX Now, and all the other seasons are on Disney Plus. So there, it gets tricky. But uh, two episodes are out now. Uh, actually, sorry, three episodes are out now. Uh, just as funny, uh, they are back, and I love it. They're Good, awesome. yeah, they're great. I might just wait till they're done and then binge them all because I've been actually watching the series. You could probably right. binge them all on Disney Plus then when they move. Yeah, them I, I did. Yeah. I just I just binged the whole series through on Disney Plus uh, in the last like year or so. The other quick thing I should mention before we go is the Venture Brothers complete set was released uh, this week. Uh, so it's it's all 83 or 82, 83 episodes uh, in advance of the movie. I think that's supposed to come out in July. If you haven't seen the Venture Brothers, you definitely want to check the show out. If you're a fan of like Adult yeah. Swim shows, it's probably one of the lesser known, but it's like one of the best, best. you know shows out there. Uh, so check out Venture Brothers. You can get the complete set on DVD now. It's and it's a great little set. So uh, that's our time. We got to throw back to Jody here, but uh, have a good week. Woo. Hello, Punch listeners. It is Brennan here again with some advice, some opinions, some ideas to help improve and or change your life, depending on how much you take my advice and my ideas, which I'm sure if you're still listening, you take them very much to heart. Now today, unfortunately, we're having the theme of loss. Uh, partly because if you can tell, um, I have lost my voice. I apparently have gotten some kind of cold or something. Now, that being said, I've been using it all day and this is the best it sounded. So I thought I better talk now 
before it goes back to being nothing. So I have lost my voice, but there has been an even bigger loss in the entertainment world, specifically the comic world. Um, It has been announced uh, this week, last Tuesday, that we have lost one of the giants of modern comics. Uh, John Romita Sr. uh, has passed away on June 12th at the age of 93. Um, John Romita Sr. is one of the names of Marvel Comics. If you think of the Silver Age of Comics and the big names that not only changed the artwork, changed the the writing, changed the face of comics itself, um, you, of course, think of Stan Lee, you think of Steve Didko, you think of Jack Kirby, and you think of John Romita Sr. Um, His work on on Spider-Man basically helped create the style of which artists, well, not art were only inspired by, but still used to this day. Even his comp- uh, art style is still part of like the quote-unquote Marvel house style. Uh, that's how important he was as an artist to Marvel Comics. Instead of trying to research a, a huge life and, and get the details, because I know other people will probably do much deeper dives, I thought I would actually read the statement made by Marvel Comics. So this is on Marvel.com articles, if you want to go check it out yourself. This is Marvel Mourns the Loss of John Romita Sr., Remembering the Legacy of a Marvel Legend. John Romita Sr. was a pillar of the Marvel Universe. As an artist and art director, his talent defined decades of Marvel's most well-known storytelling, spanning hundreds of unforgettable comics that brought now iconic characters like Wolverine, Black Widow, The Punisher, Kingpin, Luke Cage, Spider-Man, and Mary Jane to life. Millions came to know Marvel through his art, and millions more came to know Peter Parker through the unmistakable, bold brushwork Ramita brought to his pages. Known fondly to many as Jazzy John Ramita in the Marvel bullpen, his kindness, grace, and vision will always be remembered, and his influence will continue to shape generations of artists to come at Marvel and beyond. The Marvel family has lost one of its legends, and we mourn the loss of a creative giant. Our hearts are with his family and loved ones as we remember his legacy. One of the quotes I like from underneath this is from Kevin Foggy, as we know, who is very much part of the Marvel Universe right now. And he says, John Romita Sr. was an incomparable artist who brought so many iconic Marvel characters to life on the page and set the tone and look of Marvel Comics for decades. His version of Spider-Man has inspired so many of us at Marvel Studios. Our thoughts are with his family and generations and artists and fans who found love with the characters he drew. Take some time, do yourself a favor, look up John Romita Sr. Because what you'll discover, you probably know more of his panels and artwork than you realize. When I was going on the Marvel page and scrolling down, there's a collection of some of his popular covers. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man 39 with the Spidey and the Green Goblin. The Green Goblin having Spider-Man by a rope. Spider-Man, uh, Peter Parker, his shirt's all torn, you see his uniform. The Amazing Spider-Man, the special wedding issue, which I have. Um, the Spider-Man No More. All these iconic figures. What I always really found interesting when you look at the artwork, if you compare John... Uh, Ramita Sr. to, let's say, Jack Kirby, they both use uh, these, these bold lines and very dynamic physicality in dynamic perspectives. The one thing with Jack Kirby a lot of times is that it looks really cool, 
but part of you kind of knows physically that's not even possible. I'm not in a bad way. It's just this perspective doesn't quite work out. Uh, John Romita does the same dramatic perspectives and action-packed and just wonderful layouts, and yet they all seem real. They seem more like the realistic version that if you were to, to see it in real life would actually work. He's also credited with Jerry Conway of killing off Gwen Stacy um, and that story that has still been part of the mythos of Spider-Man for decades. So do yourself a favor. Go back, look up some John Romita Sr. Uh, go look up Spider-Man comics. It's everywhere. Pick up a trade uh, and just take some time to appreciate the artwork uh, of a Silver and Age artist who really helped change the style of generations to come. That's it. That's what I got for you today as my voice disappears more. And this is Brennan saying, I'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon. Okay, thanks, guys. So lots of new comics. Okay, first, just quickly going to mention, because it came out, Loki. Uh, this was written by Dan Waters, who is, I like him. Art is by German Peralta. And actually, this is one of the better the Marvel number ones that has come out recently, because it didn't really actually focus on Loki that much. Uh, he's supposed to be kind of like in exile, but he's just hanging out in Florida. And uh, while he was away, his minions uh, were inspired to steal a magic boat that is made out of the fingernails of the dead. Um, and it crashed into the tree of life and it shattered three pieces off into three alternate worlds, which may or may not take it as a sign of war. So now... Loki and Thor and buddies have to go and make sure that uh, everything's restored. So it's kind of focusing on like the boat and stuff more than Loki, and I really like that. Well, I haven't read that one yet, but I love your description of it. You make it sound really good. It's way better than like everybody getting uptight because Storm has a new outfit, you know. Right. Yeah, we need we need a good Marvel number one. So maybe this is it. It was it was all right. It was okay. Okay. It wasn't well, no. great. Okay, and in that same vein, I won't spend a lot of time on it. I was actually really disappointed, but Zeno came out this week. Uh, this is the new Shaky Kane book, and I was disappointed because, one, it's a little anthology, so it's got four stories in it, but only one of them is Shaky Kane. The other three stories are different writers and artists. Shaky's is good. It's very typical shaky. You get what you pay for. You, you know kind of what you're going to get going in. And he has this really kind of cute little story uh, called Rabbit Trap. It's written by Jordan Thomas, but he does all the art. And then the other three stories are on the spectrum from meh to nah. Not good. Yeah, I didn't like this comic either. I, 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 I thought some of the art actually looked kind of cheap a yeah. little bit. It's got a great cover. It looks like a really cool comic. But... And, and I'm all for, like, showcasing the work of new artists yeah, and yeah. writers in this short-form format. But, yeah, it just, it, I, 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 I wasn't impressed. Nope, left me cold. Another one that I didn't love was In Hell We Fight, and I was really looking forward to this. This is written by John Lehman. You will know him from Chew. The art is done by Jock. It's kind of kid-ish looking art. I didn't actually love it. And it's set in hell and it's pretty forgettable because I read it and I don't remember much of it other than there's like this guy who doesn't like frogs and now he's in hell and he's together with these other people and they have to make a journey and do something. I don't think I'll continue with that one. But there were some shining stars. Void Rivals came out. This is written by Robert Kirkman of Walking Dead fame. And the art is by Lorenzo De Felici. And 
this was a surprise for the internet because it actually has a G.I. Joe and Transformers tie-in that people didn't know about until after it was released, which made me really happy because then all the speculators didn't just hop on it and like buy it up because they wanted it for their collection and to sell. Instead, people who like to read comics had a crack at it first. Wow. So that was really cool. It's about this these two fighter pilots in space and they uh, crash on a planet and then they actually decide to start working together to get off the planet. And then there's a pretty neat little twist when they discover that they're not alone on the planet. And what is on the planet with them, I will leave you to find out. Because no spoilers. Uh, but pretty fun. And I'm going to go ahead and read this. Though normally I would never pick up a G.I. Joe slash Transformer book. But this is something more. Okay. So that was kind of cool. Spider-Man India came out. This is... A disappointment. Yeah, we neither one of us really liked this one. It, I mean, the idea of moving Spider-Man to another culture and another continent is a really cool idea, but they they really kind of dragged their butts in how they did that. Like all that all that I really noticed was like the clothes and food were different. Yeah, and they talked about the food constantly, and I thought it might have some really stunning visuals of like what India looks like. Almost everything was indoors. So it was just kind of like, okay, you just wasted an opportunity. This is only a four-issue miniseries, so maybe I'll pick up the next one and see if it gets any better. But actually, I thought the writing was poor. It's really rambly and moves around a lot, and it was just kind of like, meh, not good. Yeah, we've liked some other DC and Marvel attempts to like move their storytelling into India. It's been tried before. Yeah. It's been done before, never with as a big name like Spider-Man. Uh, and... Yeah, like I said, they just kind of, they did a lazy adaptation. It's almost like, you know, they took an old Spider-Man story from the 1970s and just like changed the food and clothes and called it India. Yeah, it wasn't good. All right, the last one that I want to talk about uh, was, I enjoyed. This is Haunt You to the End, written by Ryan Cady, art by Andrea Moody. And normally I'm not super into like ghost stories and and horror but uh, the premise of this one is there's a guy who kind of debunks ghost stories type stuff and he's got a tv show and then there's this other guy who really believes in it and there's this island that is about to be submerged because of climate change and it will disappear forever and it's supposed to be one of the most haunted places on earth so he assembles a crew to go and film it and discover if ghosts are real and so if this is a ghost story set in the future does that mean the ghosts in the story are people who are alive right now? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Ooh. Well, we'll find out. That wraps up another episode. That's all the comics we have time to talk about. You know where to find us here every week on CFCR 90.5 FM, Fridays at 6. And in the meantime, 